Hello and welcome to another edition of Brotherly Love Eagles Podcast. The most bored I've been all year. And we won. Boring. And we still won easily. Boring. <laughs> no caca even necessary for this one. No, let's get the hell out of this game. I think the silver lining, I guess, would be we look like crap today. We still won by how, however many points? 33-7? 26 points. Um, well, the gods saw fit to uh, give us C.J. Beathard as our opposing quarterback. So that'll bail you out of any situation. He was pretty terrible. Pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Our offensive line was also terrible. San Francisco. Let's make make, make no mistake. I mean, a lot was kind of made that San Francisco had, what, I think five games where the it was decided by three or fewer points, but coming into this 30th in the league in DVOA, 28th on offense, 28th on defense, simply a horrendous team, uh, 33% on third down coming into it. And I think you're right, their D-line kind of made our O-line look uh, more than questionable. And we, we did things like Peterson did things to adapt. After our, our run game kind of got brick walled in the first half, we went to no huddle and started leaning on our quick passes. Like even those jumbo sets we were, we were using with Isaac Samuelo, who we would bring in to shore up Big V, didn't, didn't work in the slightest. So that was discouraging. No, but just a key on your point on the O-line being questionable, even in those jumbo sets we had, we looked terrible. Yeah, Jason Peters' injury, everybody was saying that was going to be the really big one, and it turns out that's going to be the really big one. You know, Greg Cosell makes this point a lot on Eagles Eye in the Sky. Having a good run run game, as much as about as it being about the individual parts of your line, it's a, it's a lot about timing. And maybe some of this is like bad chemistry that needs to, gel over time with you know Vitae being now our left tackle in the run game but there were just plays where we felt like we were physically dominated by San Francisco's D-line <clears throat> some of the experts were saying that the 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 best part about the 49ers who are 0-7 was their front seven but yeah it's still it's still something where once they play a good team the offensive line is definitely going to be an issue although the run game did look finally better in the fourth quarter so hopefully you talk about that chemistry hopefully they de- developed a little bit a bit late. I've never been least excited after seven and one as I was in this game, <laughs> winning by twenty six. I mean, I'm I'm relieved because I think we, as a collective Eagles fan base, were nervous coming into this game as a trap game. So it, it's good to get out <clears throat> above water pretty clearly. But I, I kind of want to just forget about this one, especially since like even even Wentz wasn't on top of his game. Eighteen for thirty two, one hundred ninety two yards. So terrible yards per attempt. Two D- TDs, one interception. Yeah, you know, the interception he threw, which looked like a complete miscommunication with Hollins, where it was he ran a stop route instead of an in route. That was just bad. It just, the F the offense wasn't executing at all. And it wasn't just Vitae. Lane Johnson got beat bad on a play in the first half, so even their best offensive lineman didn't look too good today either. So I do like the fact that they didn't move him to left tackle because I think he should stay a right tackle because if you talk about the fan stats these days, they say the blind side is completely overrated. And instead of trying to get cohesion on two spots, you don't have to worry about trying to get cohesive in that one spot. So I'm glad they kept them there. But yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on because, you know, when was pressured all the first half their third down efficiency what are the final numbers but i'm sure it wasn't good it was they were four for 14 uh so well below their season average below 30 percent yeah so that's not a surprise there because they're 51 percent coming in that's the funny thing though they looked like crap most of the game and they boat raced a terrible team so that's (laughs) 
that's the silver lining of this game is that, you know, we're, we're actually a good team that even when we're not on our best day, we still, you know, crush the other team by 26. So I'll, I guess I'll take that. But I think you bring up a good point, which is, um, you know, Big V wasn't, it wasn't like he stuck out like a sore thumb and that was the reason why the O-line struggled. You're right. It was like the whole O-line had a bad week or had a bad game. And he, there were even plays like where the interior line kind of got pushed back into Carson's face and he had to eat a couple sacks. So it was like a whole unit problem, not just like a left tackle problem. Yeah, there was a one play where the middle linebacker came untouched to Wentz, and I thought he broke a rib. I was so nervous. He got hit hard on that play. I'm, I'm glad to see they put Nick Foles in at the end just to minimize Carson's chances of getting CTE, which yeah. I'm always worried about. Yeah, I'm, I'm always curious why coaches will leave the starting quarterback in late in games when it's obviously the game is over. So kudos to Doug Peterson. And I think kudos to Doug Peterson, his calm demeanor on the sideline all game, you know, that's something that I've talked about. And you could tell he wasn't happy. But I like right. the fact that he's never too high, never too low on the sidelines during games because, you know, some coaches I'm sure would have been a lot more upset. But he... You, you could tell he was like steaming on the inside, but yeah, you know, yeah. he kept that even keel. And then, like you said, I texted you. I said, we have to go no huddle when we were still lethargically up 3 nothing, And we went no huddle right when I said, like, we need to go no huddle. And that's when we scored the first touchdown. Um, he, he sensed it, and he, he does a good job of, of reading the mood of the team and doing little things, especially on the offensive side, to get them going. Finally, I think maybe I'm wrong, but the last time was the last time we had a defensive touchdown week one against the Redskins on the, the strip sack. That's the last one I remember, so I think you're right. Uh, yes. Because I thought the one with uh, Corey Graham, when you said the double Graham last week, I thought he should have scored, but he didn't. So that's the last one I can remember. So I think you're right. So we finally got against a horrendous uh, San Francisco offense, a pick six. So, yeah, that was part of the sauce today was the defense finally coming away with like some defensive point conversions, which is good to see. But I think that's kind of like, to your point, we probably are just... <clears throat> unlucky on some of like the interception outcomes like Corey Graham should have scored last week so that was part of it too the defense just showed up and completely bamboozled San Francisco's terrible offense yeah so let's get through all the negatives since we've pretty much picked up on all of them I had offensive line we talked about that I talked a little bit about mm -hmm. blitz pickup blitz pickup was terrible today that's what's going to get Wentz hurt more than anything they need to be better about blitz pickup third down efficiency we already talked about that I had that down as something that just seemed off and so I'm not surprised that they were terrible in third down efficiency and then let's get to my last one you were giving me a hard time saying I needed to relax this is commentary on all the national commentators. They're yeah. all terrible. They're, They're all, all terrible. Besides Tony Romo, who's the only one who's interesting and teaches you something new, the rest of them are terrible. And like when you're watching like English Premier League, even their worst guy is awesome. And then we can't get 20 guys in the entire country that can announce a national football game. I just don't get it. Even like even I think Romo is overrated because it's, it's just the standard is so low. Romo seems so good. But even he is like nothing compared to the Premier League guys, like you say. So I, to me, it's just like white noise, but it was getting under your skin in a hot way today. He just wouldn't shut up. Yeah. He, he's talked constantly. I think the low for Charles Davis is when uh, Joe Staley got a cut under his eye. He was like, looking like Rocky Balboa out there. I ran the steps yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I reenacted it. Uh, no, I that, loved his hot take on Chip Kelly when they had that terrible graphic of the Chip Kelly coordination <laughs> between San Francisco and the Eagles. Yeah, he like coached for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what else they have in common? He also coached for the 49ers. 
And then he says, and then his, his hot take. I think we're going to see him back on the sideline, but in college. Saving, scything insight. Scathing insight. I mean, it's just week in and week out. It's just so bad. I just don't get why we can't find good color commentators and play-by-play guys for national football games. The the other negative I had, uh, so not not on the commentary, but early in the game, Charles Davis did call us out, and he was right. It's just funny, but the read option they ran early with Wentz, where he faked it to, to Blunt, and I think he picked up like five or six, but his only forward blocker was Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz basically played hand patsy with the linebacker. Just the worst run blocker in the NFL at tight end, maybe. Zach Ertz. As great as he is as a catching <laughs> He's <laughs> yeah. as bad as he is as a blocking. <laughs> exactly. Right Complete opposite. He's terrible at blocking. I'm done, but ugh, the national guys week in and week out, just it's just atrocious. You, like you said, just put it on mute, but it's like I want to get like <laughs> some sound to the game. Yeah, yeah. You want a little context. I would love the option of eventually getting to the day where we could have your local guys, you know, you can feed it into your game. Or they could hire us. We could do it, Matt. I'd we rather I'd rather it. listen to us. And I we're terrible, but I'd rather we're listen awful. to us. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, I'm done with the negatives. I'm off I'm off I'm off my dark cloud. It was in hard your, to, in your Halloween booze blues. You're yes, off the dark cloud. Exactly. It, it's hard to find positives, but I did find some. You gotta start with the defensive line. Like you said, they're always good. I didn't think they played that great against the Reds but this week they were on fire yes the d-line was completely dominant yeah all all my positives except for one which is a little more zoomed out were defensive i also had jalen mills was awesome today he obviously had the pick six and Derek barnett continues to show up you had the block field goal and then he had um a really nice like run stop that i remember but he was also he's also kind of showed up as a productive first round choice not like our usual first round busts yeah no he's he's been playing great the last couple of weeks he's he's really stood out this game against the redskins he's like the opposite of marcus smith yeah who is <laughs> I think still in seattle but yeah hopefully in obscurity forever uh i also had jalen mills down he played great he had the pick six but he was you know receivers didn't do anything all game the one nice play they had was that little shovel pass you can't blame that on the secondary and then i also had kendrick's and i texted you god help us if he can stay healthy just kendrick's is awesome yeah Yeah. he was all over the field and if we lose him man that's like he has to for the first time in his career has to stay healthy so that's a and big F. In particular, where Kendricks is really influential is screen defense. Awesome in the screen game because of his speed. But he also, in his recognition. No, I, I think he doesn't get credit for his smarts just because he's so athletic. But he he does, like, that's how he's improved over his career is his recognition. Like, he decisively goes after plays like that. His overall game has just gotten better. He he can right. be a three-down linebacker now, and that was something they said he wanted to be. He had the pass coverage on that one play, which was always a knock on him. And just his motor, you know, on every play, he was always good at blitz pickup with the blitz you know he always had nice plays when he would blitz um but yeah he's a much more well-rounded game now it seems like do you remember this like in the off season there was all this drama between this publicized drama between schwartz and kendrick's where schwartz was calling him out i would say um, it seemed like they actively tried to trade him so that was something that they just didn't get what they wanted in return but they were actively looking to trade him but that yeah they were sometimes him. the best trades you make are the ones that never happen and that was definitely one of them because it's kind of like one of those things where you know some players respond to be being coddled and other players respond to being shit on and he seems to respond to being you know (laughs) shit on like i'm the sort of person like you denigrate me i will disengage but if you tell me i'm the best i'll engage right i'm the opposite of kendrick's yeah i need to be coddled okay good to know 
Yeah. When, we, when we do the podcast and you're feeling low, I'll make sure I yeah. coddle you. Yeah, just <laughs> focus on the positives, Matt. The other positive I have, so this is the one where I'm zooming out a little bit. So throughout the game, they kept going to the horrific Falcons playing against the Jets. And it just made me appreciate the fact that success in the NFL, unless you're the Patriots, is completely precarious and short-lived and every season is its own animal. And it just makes me think like, I don't want to get into a mindset where I'm like, yeah, the Eagles are having a great season, but we have when, so we'll get back to, you know, we have a chance to get back to the show, you know, over the next decade. But I don't want to kind of defer on that. I want the Eagles fan base to appreciate the opportunity we have now with the NFC being atrocious and us having um, a successful offense and a successful defense. But the yeah. time is now, Matt. You can never think, oh, well, we're going to be great for 10 years. You never know about injuries. You never know who's going to get hurt which year. They're as good as any team in the NFL right now. That's just that's just the bottom line. Will they get to the Super Bowl? We have no idea. It's still midway through the season. Anything can happen. I know that's a Charles Davis hop take anything can happen <laughs> the first eight nine weeks of the season we're just as good as anybody and going into the year having if you had said that to us most people would have thought we were crazy yeah you think about again going back to the falcons but it's just a reminder like they lose shanahan and you know now they have zarkeesian as their offensive coordinator and they're awful you think about us and like it keeps being talked about, but Jim Schwartz might be a head coach again next year. I mean, I don't think he should be a head coach, but someone will be, you know, uh, desperate enough to make that mistake. You know, so we kind of have to uh, capitalize on our, our strengths um, in the short term and not take it for granted. Yeah, yeah. Super Bowl or bust. Exactly. If if this season goes the way it does and we don't make the Super Bowl, that would be that will turn into a disappointing season. So yeah. yeah. You know, if you'd said, oh, before the year, would you take it? I would say, of course, but now expectations have changed. The two teams in the NFC that still scare me the most are Seattle and mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys. The Grantland NFL, not Grantland, the Ringer NFL show, they made the point this week to remind everyone that like Seattle looks mediocre now, but that's like exactly their formula to like get better down the stretch and in the second half of games so i'm as i reflected more on last week like i'm super nervous about about seattle like you said even on the road because defense travels well well the ringer guys have been on seattle all year so they keep saying seattle's still the favorite which is fine and a lot of people are saying that but they give the eagles their cred i mean that they're two like nfl show guys not lombardi no i know exactly what you're talking about yeah Yeah, that's the one i listen to i never listen to lombardi one anymore yeah, yeah they they would they were saying that would you Seattle at Philly for the NFC Championship? Who would you take? And they both said Seattle, which is I think totally fair. Totally fair. So the other big positive I had is Alshon Jeffrey catch. That was a hell of a catch. We we made fun of Amanda last week when we said that was <laughs> he should have made that play, but that was a hell of a catch this week. And I do love about that play. You know, Carson had a completely mediocre day, but um, his willingness to go back to that play, which is. You know, um, not not strictly speaking a high percentage play, but he, you know, is still trusting his guys and is still being aggressive to try to ice the game. You know, making that throw instead of kind of shrinking into conservatism after that bad interception. Yeah, and that was when the San Francisco 49ers had made it a 13-point game, and then they have, the right. ni- they have the nice run on the very next play, the great catch by Jeffrey for a touchdown. And I think that's where, like, you know, Wentz's uniqueness and his like mental toughness and willingness to stay aggressive showed up, even though statistically terrible, terrible day for him. 
Yeah, and I, w- I would say that's the Ray Dininger impact play of the game. You could have had a lot of plays in this boring game, the pick six especially, <laughs> but just getting Jeffrey off the schneid I think is a huge deal for the rest of the season. Yeah, my Ray Dininger impact play of the game, besides that one, was two, mi- you know, two minutes left in the first half, third and 15, and we get that gift pass interference call on Torrey Smith. Which was a terrible call. I thought we, I thought it actually was the right call. It was just a terrible play to on third and sixteen to have that pi play. He fell and then as Charles Davis the one time he said something smart. He said that he just panicked and grabbed Tory Smith. But I agree, it totally bailed us out. Well, or maybe maybe the better better thing to say is all season I felt like we've been on the wrong side of obvious pass interference calls, and we finally got one. In a, in a pivotal situation yeah especially a lot of plays with jeffrey he, he since he's so physical i think a lot of times doesn't get the benefit of the doubt to get jeffrey involved that play bodes well that's why i think for the rest of the season that's why i called it the radiant engine pack the play because for the rest of the season hopefully that really gets him going but the eagles a little further ahead to denver at home next week they their offensive line can't show up that way or will get eaten alive by von miller oh, he'll, have, defensive line. he'll have 35 sacks and half. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> thank God he, thank God Lane Johnson's on that side, but still that's you know among the more obviously the most elite defensive lines when it comes to pass rush. And the problem is is that not only Jason Peters affects you know our run game and our pass protection, but like you said, it makes Zach Ertz have to chip block terribly so he can't get on them patterns as much as like every down he could always be like set up as a wide receiver in the slot. There was so much more. Where now he has to be, you know, close to to Vitae to bail him out unless Vitae improves significantly next week. Players always talk about this, but Peter's other huge value add is he's like a player coach, and he um, has great like kind of post mortem recognition on what defenses are trying to do, and you know he's talking to the offensive line throughout the game so that they're better in pass protection, and we kind of lose that element also. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things where it's going to be an injury that's going to affect us all season, but. Having said that, the silver lining to ridiculously early season prediction, I think we need to get out of the game of making predictions because we're 7-1 and one, unbelievably. Now it's time where, like you said, reset expectations, Super Bowl bust now. It's just, it, that's the mentality now. It seems like the team knows that. The fan base is starting to realize that. But anything short of the Super Bowl now, in the city of Philadelphia and Eagles fans would be disappointed unless something dramatic happens in the second half of the season, but knock on wood, assuming there's no other major injury. Super Bowl bust as far as I'm concerned what do you think 100% just again like I said like this is a unique unique situation that the NFL in general is diffuse in terms of like how elite the best teams are in the NFC Seattle is really I think our only roadblock we should think about it that way and in the AFC like Pittsburgh is the best team and New England is severely compromised so you know this is an an opportune year to to make it happen for all those reasons. And now I'm just looking at Denver's def- you know, um, DVOA line. It'll be interesting. So they have a terrible off bottom third, 22nd overall offense. So Trevor Simeon, obviously, uh, doesn't scare a lot of people. But this will be the best defense we played against all year. Number four, number four overall in DVOA. And their strength is our biggest weakness right now. <laughs> yeah. Like the top five defenses now are Jacksonville, one, Pittsburgh, uh, Los Angeles, Rams, and Denver. Those are the top four. And number five is Baltimore. This, Yeah, I think the best defense we played up until this point um, was going 
into Washington. The, the, uh, I said so. The best de- defense we've played so far is when we went into the Washington game. They were number ten in overall. So this will be you know six spots above that. Something we'll talk about on Wednesday for sure, since you know that scares every Eagles fan. I'm sure. Boring game. Didn't play well. Still feeling great. That's <laughs> those are the things to take away as Eagles fans. But we'll uh, we'll get into that a little more on Wednesday. We'll talk to you next week. And uh, until then, really love Eagles podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye.